Mr. Popoff began his television ministry in the early 1980s. It was being broadcasted nationally. His miraculous curing of chronic and incurable medical conditions became a central attraction to his sermons. Mr. Popoff would tell attendees who were suffering from a variety of illnesses to break free of the devil by throwing their prescription pills onto the stage. Many would obey, tossing away bottles of nitroglycerin and other important maintenance medications. Popoff would also command supplicants in wheelchairs to rise up. They would stand and walk without assistance to the joyous cheers of the crowd of faithful individuals. At the height of his popularity in the 1980s, Popoff would accurately announce home addresses of people with specific illnesses as well as those illnesses of audience members during these healing sermons. A feat which he implied was due to divine revelation and a God-given ability. However, Popoff was soon discovered to be a ripoff because the, the curtain came off of everything that he was doing. Critics later documented that the recipients of, of these healings were actually, these dramatic cures were actually fully ambulatory people who were seated in wheelchairs by Popoff's assistance before the program even began. And then one man was able to discover with a scanner radio that Popoff's wife was using this radio transmission to broadcast information that she and her aides had collected into Popoff's ear. And he would trick the folks thinking he was some sort of special individual that God had peculiarly gifted. So much for his God-given ability, right? Miracles, healing. We see so much of this in our day, people claiming to have these things, and we know that they're joking. However, it begs the question, how does God work through you and I today? Is there such a thing as faith healing? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. Peter and John were just part of a miracle, and guess what, folks? This was a real one. And we see exactly here, Peter explains how it happened, why it happened, and we see also here how God can do the same through you and I today, spiritually, for those in this world. I'm sure if I asked every single one of you if you want God to work through you in a, in a powerful way, you would say, absolutely, right? Well, how does he do that? Is faith important in how he works through us? Well, we're going to look at that faith. We are going to look at 
three characteristics of it, of this divine healing that took place. We're going to look at what faith is not or who it's not in. We're going to look at what faith looks like or the character of it. And then we're going to look at what faith is or who it is in. The first characteristic is faith is not in ourselves. Verses 11 and 12 in Acts chapter 3. While the man, the man who was healed, was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power and piety we had made him walk? There was a survey that was done all the way back in 2012 about the decline of Americans' confidence in traditional institutions and for sources, of, for sources for values, of sources for values. So there was, there's a, been a huge decline. That was back in 2012. And the trust in institutions and in individuals continues to drop. Government, family, celebrities, why we ever trusted in them, I'm not quite sure. Leaders, and even trust in God has decreased since 2012. They contribute a bunch of factors. Uh, there was a bunch of factors that were listed as contributing to the weakening of this drop. Political corruption, too much focus on material things, the use of drugs and alcohol, lack of strong leaders and role models, and fewer Americans have also dropped their overall belief in God. So 89% said they believed in God compared to 98% in 1967. However, despite all of that lack of confidence in those people and in institutions and in God, there is one thing that has not dropped. Do you know what that is? Confidence in, guess who? Ourselves. <laughs> I wish it were Jesus. Confidence has not dropped in ourselves. So that kind of makes me wonder, doesn't it? Because set aside the, the confidence in God aspect, right? Institutions, celebrities, role models, and leaders, they're all what? People. So if, if, we've, if we've dropped in our trust in people, then it, it kind of makes us should answer our own question, then who's the problem? Where's the pro who's the problem? It's in us. But for some reason... We're delusional, and, and we still think that there is something in us. We still think that we can have confidence in us. Well, guess what? Peter actually says the opposite. Folks, as we go out into this world, we need a, a, a huge self-awareness. And part of that self-awareness is saying to ourselves, I have absolutely nothing. There is nothing in me that is going to make God say, wow, look at, man, look at Pastor Mark. He's got so many abilities. That guy is so holy. I can't help but use him for my kingdom work. That's not it. Listen to what Peter says. 
hey, why are you looking at us as if there is something in us? As if by our own power and piety, we caused this healing. What does Paul say later on? God's power is perfected in what? Our weaknesses. Our weaknesses. We don't want to hear that, do we? We think sometimes the ability, all the, the, the good stuff is all in us and God's looking down and just dying to use us for his kingdom work. This is not what Peter says. It's amazing what this world tells us about ourselves. And what happens, what Peter is saying here is so countercultural, especially in America today. This is a quote. This is, you can post these little post-it notes around your house, right? And it's, believe in yourself. Yes, you can. I can do it. All things are possible with me. And that's why people are going out into this world thinking, folks, tear off the post-it notes. Don't believe in anything like this. Listen to what Peter says, and then let's start going out into the world, because that's where we begin. It's a position of humility. It is a position of understanding that any good thing we have comes from God Almighty above. It's where it starts. We have to see the, 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 the progress that is happening here in the book of Acts. He gives them the mission. He gives them the power for the mission. They then position themselves properly for the mission. And then Peter and John are going out, going to do that mission, right? On their everyday journey to the temple to pray and God uses them. And now Luke wants his readers to see how that is accomplished. And it is not accomplished by anything we have in ourselves. Believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something inside of you that is greater than any obstacle. So we could switch that around and say, yes, there is, there's actually someone inside of us that is greater than any obstacle. We don't have the power to spiritually raise the dead. You and I were once dead in our own sins and trespasses and God made us alive through Christ, through the power of his spirit. And that is how Christ is going to continue to work through us. It is not our power. What is happening out there is a spiritual transaction. Salvation is a gift of God. And we have no ability in and of ourselves, apart from the Holy Spirit residing in us, to bring about that transaction. It's nothing. Nor is it our holiness or our spiritual integrity, which is what he says or means by the word piety. It's not looking down upon us and saying, wow, look how righteous you are. I'm going to use you. Now, granted, we have to be careful. We don't want to live a life of sin because that does make us unusable for God. But it is not our holiness that brings about this work that Peter is talking about in, in this passage. Leonardo DiCaprio actually says this, as soon as enough people give you enough compliments and you're wielding more power than you've ever had in your life, it's not that you become arrogant or you become rude, but you get a false sense of your own importance and of what you've accomplished. 
you actually think that you've altered the course of history. Thank you, Leonardo. He's right. We, and I think one of the things that we need to see here is when God begins to work through us or he uses us, we have to be careful of that. Because Peter is doing what? He's deflecting the attention away from himself and he's pointing it right back to who it belongs to. He says, it's not me, don't look at me. And God tests us, I think, more so in our successes than in our failures. It's hard when we succeed. Why? Because we begin to think, man, look how great I am. I didn't do anything. This is just so countercultural. We have to have a position of humility and understanding in our life. The whole church needs this self-awareness before we go out into the world. Not in horses or chariots or our own personal holiness or our own strength is the reason that God can work through us and in us. We need to have an humble acknowledgement of our own nature and our own weaknesses and have a complete and utter dependence on Him. I've been going through the book of Daniel with, with a friend from church and we've been really enjoying the study of Daniel. Daniel's one of my favorite studies. If you want a good study of an individual that was used mightily of God in, in the world, in a pagan nation, Daniel's a great study for that. And it's, it's eerily similar to what Daniel says and what Peter says here. This is what Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar before he reveals the mystery of his dream in Daniel 2.30. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known. So Daniel was used mightily by God, but Daniel never let it get to his head. Why? Because Daniel knew who Daniel was, knew who his God was. Self-awareness. Faith. It's definitely not in ourselves. If you put faith in yourself, you will be severely disappointed. Trust me. We've all experienced that. We all know what that looks like. Absolutely countercultural. Second characteristic faith is not afraid to speak the truth. Verses 13 through 15. So Peter then explains what is happening. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified. His servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are all witnesses." The guy tells a story. He says, one time, 20 or so years ago, I was in Japan on a speaking tour. I think this might have been Gordon McDonald. And he said he was with a close personal friend of his. He said his friend was a number of years older than he was. 
He says, as we walk down the street in Yokohama, Japan, the name of a common friend came up. At that time, I had said something unkind about that person. It was sarcastic, it was cynical, and it was a put-down. My older friend stopped. He turned, and he faced me until his face was right in front of mine. With deep, slow words, he said, Gordon, a man who says he loves God would not say a thing like that about a friend. Gordon replies, he says, he could have put a knife into my ribs and the pain would not have been any less. He did what a prophet does, told me the truth. But you know something, he says, there have been 10,000 times in the last 20 years that I have been saved from making a jerk of myself when tempted to say something about something unkind about a brother or sister's or sister I hear my friend's voice say Gordon a man who says he loves God would not speak in such a way about a friend folks does the truth hurt sometimes can the truth sometimes be offensive can, should, did that take faith for that friend to turn around to that man and challenge him in what he just did? Absolutely. Notice what Peter does here. Now, we're going back and forth from the, the miracle to what Peter is doing now. But what Peter is doing is an act of faith. Why? Because what Peter says to these specific individuals could absolutely cause a riot. And actually, what he says is going to be part of the reason why we find him arrested right after this. Notice where Peter starts. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, the God you claim to worship, is glorifying Jesus, the one whom you crucified. That would have blew the, they, they, anything could have happened at that time. He is not afraid to tell them the truth because this is the absolute truth that they need to hear. In order for conversion to happen to people, we cannot be afraid to speak the truth of who God is, who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, and who man is. And Peter covers all the bases in just a few verses. Let me ask you something. How many people are afraid sometimes to tell people the truth about Christ? Okay. Right? Now, here's what I'm telling you not to do. <laughs> I don't want you to go outside and tell everyone they killed Jesus and they're, they're responsible for that. You got, we got to be tactful in how we... We convey the truth, right? We got to convey the truth in grace and in love. But we need to tell them the truth because this is the truth. Part of that truth is God's main goal is to glorify who? Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what happens in the miracle. God is doing what? Glorifying 
or influencing people. That's what the word to glorify me, it's to, to influence people about the reputation about someone, to influence them for a positive view of the reputation about someone, namely who? Jesus Christ. So you and me are to be influencers. There's a ton of influencers today, right? They all have their shows. And influencers are influencing people, opinions, behaviors about the purchase decisions of their followers. Our job is to do what? Exactly what God is doing, what Peter is doing, to glorify Jesus Christ, to influence people about his reputation so that they can make a decision for him. And we cannot be afraid to do that. It takes faith to do that. Because sometimes we're afraid of what? The repercussions, aren't we? We're afraid of of losing friends if we tell them what we truly believe about mankind and about Jesus Christ and about what he's done. That's not faith. If we want God to do a work through us in this church, it's going to take faith like this. We have to speak. We have to tell them the gospel. We have to tell them that, yes, they're sinners just like us. We have to tell them that they need Christ. Christ is not... is not an option on the religious buffet of the world. Christ is the only way for their salvation. And the only way that they are going to hear that is if you and I have the faith and courage to tell them that. It's how God's going to work through us. Speaking the truth in love. Giving them Jesus, just like we said last week. Notice how he, he, he tries to convict them of their guilt. He, he tries to convict them and persuade them of their guilt. When he says, you delivered him, you're responsible for his death. You handed him over, you disowned him. And people who don't believe in Christ have disowned Christ. They've rejected him. Our job is to influence them to accept him and to receive him. That's what we're called to do. And in one verse, in one verse, Peter tells them the truth about the substitutionary atonement. You called for a murderer in place of Jesus. You freed a murderer and you sent the holy and righteous one, the author of life, to his death. What a, what a paradox, right? We're the ones who are responsible for death. Jesus is the only one who can give life. And people, mankind, put him to death. But it is through that death that they can now have life in him. Wow. Substitutionary atonement. You and I deserve to be on the cross. Jesus took our place. 
you and I, far from being the ones with the power and the piety, you and I are the ones that use any power we have for wickedness like that. And you and I are the unholy and unrighteous ones. He's the righteous one. And we just sang about it. Where does our righteousness come from? It comes from Jesus Christ. He does, he does this in like two verses. It's amazing that every chance Peter gets, he points to Christ. He points right back to the gospel. He says, don't look at me. Look at what God is doing in the person of Christ. He's not afraid. He is not afraid. He looks for these opportunities. We've already said so many different things things that are just absolutely countercultural to what we see in, in this world. We don't have the power. As a matter of fact, we're the ones in need of the Savior. We're the sinners. We're the unholy. We're the unrighteous. We're the ones who do these things. Faith doesn't fear. And as one commentator says, there is no conversion without conviction. And ultimately, conviction comes through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit working through who? You and me. And that's what Peter's doing here. Right after this, Peter's going to make a call to repentance and faith in Christ, which ultimately is who our trust is in. In this whole process, we see how this is laid out, not in ourselves, not afraid to speak the truth. It is an active trust in Jesus Christ in His, in his name, verse 16. And... How did the miracle occur? On the basis of faith in his name. It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through Jesus, through him, has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Hank Hanegraaff writes this. In 1980, Harvest House published a book by Larry Parker entitled, We Let Our Son Die. The book tells of the tragic story of how Larry and his wife, after being influenced by one of America's numerous word of faith teachers, withheld insulin from their diabetic son. Wesley, their son, predictably, predictably went into a diabetic coma. The Parkers warned about the dangers and impropriety of making a negative confession, negative words, not having a positive outlook on the situation. 
So they continue to positively confess with their words, Wesley's healing, until the time of his death. Even after Wesley's death, the Parkers were undaunted in their faith and conducted a resurrection service instead of a funeral. They were undaunted in their faith for more than a year after his death. Eventually, they were both tried and convicted of manslaughter and child abuse. Do you think it's important that you and I place our faith in the right object or the right person? This is misplaced faith, isn't it? Their faith is in their faith. That's what their faith is in. You and I can't work up enough faith to make something happen. It is, it is, it is not faith in ourselves. It is not faith in our words. It is not faith in anything except for Jesus Christ. He is both the object and source of our faith. It is faith in his name. It is faith in Christ. Nothing else. Not Peter's name. Not John's name. Not the beggar's name. Jesus' name. I love, again, what Peter does here. Don't remember my name. Don't remember John's name. Remember Jesus' name. His name is his authority, his power, his character, and his name represents the very fact that he is alive, with which Peter just mentioned, because God did what? Resurrected him from the dead. Christ is both the object and source of our faith. There's, I believe there's a couple faiths that are going on here. I believe Peter is talking about Peter and John's faith in Christ an active trust at that time, trusting in him, not in themselves, for the miracle to occur, but also the faith of the beggar as well. And that faith is in the name of Christ, and that faith actually comes from Christ. I think the beggar's faith was represented when he took Peter's hand. So Peter says, what I, get, what, I get, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, walk. The beggar takes his hand and stands up. I think that was his faith, trusting in what Peter had just said. But it is absolutely imperative that we see that this is an ongoing trust in Christ. You and I are actively trusting in Christ to work through us to perform miracles like this. It's not going to happen if Peter and John don't step out in faith. If Peter and John aren't trusting in Christ. It is not their faith, however, that brought the healing, but it is Jesus who acted according to his nature and his character. 
Peter believed what Christ told him. Peter believed that Christ has the authority and power to heal through him. Peter believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. I think that many, many times, I think our lack of evangelism and our lack of going forth and speaking the truth is a lack of faith in Christ. If, if Jesus did this through Peter and John, who have absolutely nothing, literally, they, they, he doesn't even have any money to give them. Did they have PowerPoint? Did they have, did they have social media? Did they have their Christian influencers of the day? Did they have apologetic courses? Did they have seminaries? Did they have all the, the, the Christian books that could possibly fill an, an, an ocean? Did they have all of these things? No. Who did they have? Jesus. Can, he, can Christ do the same work through you and me if we're trusting in him? Let me hear you again. Let me hear you. I don't, are you sure? I don't know. Can Christ do the same work if you and I are trusting in him? Okay. All right. Let's go out there, right? And let's, let's test it out. Who knows what's going to happen? Man, you guys, maybe you need food. He, he, he's trying to motivate us. Because, because the people reading this would be like, well, wait a second, I got faith. Oh, okay then, that's what he's saying. Oh, I can have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Let, let's go. Let's go see what God can do. That's what he wants to do through this church. The, the Old Testament is absolutely replete with stories about misplaced faith. And I'll tell you what, folks, the modern church the modern church can learn a lot from those stories. Well, one of them is David and Goliath. I love this story, David and Goliath. It's, a, it is a, it's like just a parallel to the modern church. David goes, right? Well, Israel is afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they're not looking through the eyes of faith. They're looking through the eyes of the world. And they're seeing this, this big guy and they're seeing this army and they're like, we, what are we going to do? We can't do anything about it. David, just bringing food, what's going on? What's with this dude? Why is he calling out God's people, God's name? And they're like, oh, don't, don't worry, he's going to you know, and try to talk him out of it. And David goes forth and then Saul, the leader of the people, right? The leader of God's people is like, okay, you're going to go. I got the latest and greatest armor for you. Here you go. This is fresh out of the box, baby. This is beautiful armor. You go out in this armor. I think you're going to be okay. David tries it on. So you see, we're looking, at, we're looking at the armor of the world. David says, I don't need that armor. I'm not going out in the armor. I'm not going out in David's power. I'm going out in what? In the name of who? The Lord. That's who he goes out in the name of. And what happens? Whoa, well, go figure it out. What? Who could believe it? Goliath fell. Why? Faith. Because David knew God was going to act according to his character, his nature, his person, and defend his name. 
It's not our name he's defending. It's, it's his name, and he's going to act on behalf of his people, which I'm looking at. And he is going to slay giants through them. Faith is key to Christ's work through us. Amen? Amen. It's key. It's not in ourselves. If it is, change it. Don't trust in yourself. Faith acts. It is not afraid to speak the truth. It goes forth with the truth. And it goes forth trusting in Jesus Christ to do a work through us. His voice speaking through his spirit is the one speaking in our ears. <laughs> Directing us what to say, where to go, who to speak to. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll do a faith healing through you and me. Father, thank you, Lord, for stories like this. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for preserving them for us so that we can learn from them today all the way here in 2024. They are so relevant to our life. My prayer, Lord, and I know the prayer of all those who are here is that you would work mightily through us, Lord, and that you would give us the faith that we need to do so. Lord, we want you to work through us. We want you and your name to be glorified, Lord, and I ask that you do just that. Use us in all of our weaknesses, in all of our, our brokenness, Lord, and use us to glorify you, your power, your strength, your holiness, your name. We ask this in the powerful, strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.